Good morning, everyone. I want to welcome you and let you know that I'm really happy that you're here. Um, and so uh, I'm going to jump right into this. Uh, sometimes things go on that we have absolutely no control over, and here we go, okay? So um, if you're sitting a little ways in the back, you saw some sort of distraction, but it's all, it's all good, okay? And so um, I want to just let you know, first of all, if you're new to us, I'm Jeff. I'm a pastor here at Grace Community Church. We get together every Sunday for two reasons, really to worship the Lord God Almighty, the King of creation, and then also to encourage and challenge each other as we walk in relationship with him, okay? And so that's kind of what we're here for. That's what we're doing really right now. I hope that your listening is considered a bit of worship as in the way that you listen today, okay? And so um, before I get started, I just want to mention that um, recently we started up a grief uh, recovery ministry called Grief Share, which I've talked about a bit. It's been a blessing to a lot of people. Um, the second session is actually just about to wrap up, and what I'm actually asking the church to consider is something I was asking people to consider about eight months ago, which is if that's something that you're interested or you have a heart for that type of thing, I wonder if you might just let me know, because I really would like a feel just for who else is out there who maybe has considered being part of it or wants to consider how they might help out or whatever. And so if you might just let me know, we're just trying to figure out how that all will move forward. And so if when I say that, you're like, wait, he's going to ask us to lead if we say that we're in, that's not it. That's not it at all. Okay. And so, I mean, maybe, but not necessarily. Okay. Um, but so that's, that's just a little plug for that. Um, just let me know if it's something that you even if it's something that's like, ah, oh, maybe, if, that, if that's you, just let me know, okay? Um, <clears throat> and then I just want to tell you, today is really the beginning of something new. We've been throughout a bunch of different series recently. Kyle's done some messages about parenting and family. Before that, about human uh, biblical st- sexuality. Um, and so we've been kind of um, covering lots of different ground, and that has wrapped up. And so recently, in a meeting where Kyle and I sit and talk about things at the church and how things are going and things. He said, so do you have any vision or insight as far as where we might go next? This was a couple weeks ago. And this, uh, you know, we listen, we try, we're trying to like hear from the Spirit, like, God, what are you doing in the church and where might we be going? And I was, <clears throat> excuse me, I was kind of in this spot like, um, I, don't, I don't know, you know, Kyle does most of the preaching and and when I was new in this role, I had like this list of ideas, and the list has kind of, you know, gotten shorter, okay? And, but I, say, I, I felt almost like I don't know if I have anything, and then I said, but I will say to Kyle, very honestly, I said, you know what, I actually recently in my mind has been kind of a focus on the Sermon on the Mount, and Kyle right then said, bingo, just like that. He hadn't shared what he was thinking, but he said, he said right then, basically, he was thinking teachings of Jesus and things like that. And so we're going to be going into a time where we're going to be looking at, I, don't, I won't say specifically that it will be the Sermon on the Mount, but it's going to be the teachings of Jesus, okay? And so um, we're going to begin that here today, which I am excited about. Um, <coughs> I should look at the notes. Um, <coughs> so the teachings of Jesus. And so just some very brief reminders. First of all, 
Again, if you're new or if you're not new and these things have slipped your mind, Jesus Christ was present for creation. He, as part of the Trinity, he was there. Okay, The Trinity being the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Jesus lived as a man, um, yet was fully God. The Bible tells us he was fully man and fully God. He died a physical death, but he was raised from death by the power of the Holy Spirit. He entered, listen to this, he entered creation to rescue it, to defeat sin and death, okay? He created, and then he came into his creation to rescue it, okay? And so, um, and then the next thing, Jesus Christ is alive today, okay? He is seated at the right hand of the Father, he's in heaven, and he is interceding constantly on our behalf. The Bible says he exists forever to intercede for us, okay, at the right hand of the Father. And so these things, some of you are like, um, Jeff, you know, that's like Christianity 101, what you just said. Yeah, okay. And so this is the things I want you to remember. Why do we need to, why do we need to look into his teaching? Because of who he is, okay? We were just singing, there's power in his name. His name is, his name is great. There's, it's powerful, okay? Um, and so, shouldn't we be studying him? And so, um, since he um, lived as a man, we need to be people who model our lives on his teaching and his example. And to do so, we need to study his life, okay? And so, um, in about 1996, maybe 1995, there was this fad or trend in the church and youth groups we, wore, we had these bracelets that said, WWJD, what would Jesus do? You know, in the, in the recent years, we shortened everything into some abbreviations, but what would Jesus do was a bracelet that I used to wear. An important question to be asking as I go through life and do the things that I do. And so, um, in order for me to know what would Jesus do, I need to know what did Jesus do, okay? And so that question actually, interestingly, has come back to my mind three different times probably in the last four or five months. Since, 19, since the 1990s was probably the last time that that was really like trendy or whatever. By the way, the 1990s did not invent that because in our church library we have this book called In His Steps. This was written by a guy named Charles Sheldon in 1896. So a hundred years before I wore that bracelet, this guy wrote a book that was asking his church the same question. Um, he, it's a fictional story or a, a fictional account of a church whose members were committed. They had made a commitment to, I did, I have, you see me looking at my notes. I read this a long time ago and I remembered and I went into the library and I was like, scan, I scanned the whole library looking for a book this thick that was this color, okay? Um, <laughs> So, yeah, that's how I find things. Um, anyway, this fictional church, basically the people committed, you know what, I'm not going to do a single thing. I'm not going to step forward in anything unless I consider first, what would Jesus do if he were in my position? And so uh, something, basically it's just kind of a, another um, older take on that, on that concept. And so if you haven't read this, I would actually encourage reading a hundred plus year old novel, okay, because it's good, okay? Now, um, because it, it will just get you to consider different life, life things, okay? And so, um, where am I? Page two. Whoa, I'll 
flying, right? Um, I won't tell you how many there are, okay? Uh, <laughs> when it printed, I was actually surprised. So in a good way or a bad way, it depends on your perspective, I guess, okay? Um, so, so anyway, the point is we need to be pursuing him, okay? He should be our model, and he's who we should be looking for, and we should be studying the life of Jesus. And so in order to know what would Jesus do or what would Jesus say, we need to know what did Jesus say. And so today I want to start by talking a little bit about the sermon, the, what's called the Sermon on the Mount, okay? And in the Bible it tells us, the very beginning of Matthew chapter 5, um, it seems like he started out kind of getting away from the crowd, okay? And so it actually said there were crowds, and Jesus went and sat down, um, and it seems like he, he was moving away from the crowd is the perspective that I get. Sermon on the Mount, honestly, and I say this just to say that when, something, when this is called the Sermon on the Mount, what I picture is Jesus like up on the mountainside, and there's all these people like in this kind of natural type amphitheater and he's speaking to this massive crowd and his voice is really loud but it says he was sitting okay and so when you sit you don't project your voice he's sitting and talking to his disciples but by the end at the end of chapter 7 there was a crowd around him and the crowd was amazed at his teaching okay and so I want to just say something about being amazed by someone's teaching. And by the way, I don't expect necessarily that you guys today will walk away going amazed by my teaching, okay? But they were amazed by Jesus' teaching. And the thing that strikes me about that is that, first of all, he didn't start out talking to a crowd, so these people kind of came in. He's sitting, he's talking, these people gather near, and they start listening, and they, if they were amazed, it means they were really listening. They weren't just like half listening. They weren't listening. They weren't talking to somebody else while he was talking. I picture people who were like, they might have been like trying to peek past somebody so that they could see his mouth, okay? Because sometimes when you listen closely, you're looking at someone's mouth. They might have had their head turned so that they could hear his words because they couldn't see his mouth, okay? And so I personally call this kind of thing active listening, okay? And this is what I picture these people doing. If they walked away amazed, I think they were actually actively listening, which I'll say I don't think I personally am really great at, okay? When I was a teacher, I encouraged my students, I really want you to actively listen. If you sit anywhere behind me in church, you notice I'm writing things down because I have this mind that basically, like, if I'm not doing something, it's just right out. Okay, and so I can hear the words, but nothing's going on if I'm not engaging with them a little bit. So I write notes so that I can kind of like take even brief points and just kind of remember those things. I could go back to it. I actually honestly do often don't go back to my notes, but those things help me listen better. Okay, and so active listening is something that I think was going on as Jesus was giving the sermon on what's, call, what's called, this again, this is not a biblical term, this is the Sermon on the Mount, which people have sort of added as a title to this, okay? And so, um, so um, active listening requires discipline, okay? It requires, like, you may have to, like, somehow wake yourself up so that you're listening closely, okay? Um, and so just a little bit of a side note, I want to say Jesus is, a, is an authority who should be speaking into our life, and I would just also ask you, who do you let speak into your life? 
Okay, so first of all, certainly Jesus is an authority as a Christian, as a person who claims to be a follower of Christ. He should be the primary authority in your life. He's who you look to. He's the model. But then I wonder, who else do you listen to? Um, Do other people have authority in your life to say things to you, like to call you out? Do you give people that authority? Some people, like a parent, has that authority as in like a positional relationship. I'm a dad, and so I have this like authority that's been given to me as the authority of my house. Um, so my point in that is just who, as a believer in Jesus, do you listen to? Besides Jesus, yes, you should be looking to, to the Word. But then who else do you listen to? Do you listen to anybody else, or is it just like, you know what? I'm not going to listen, and I'm just going to kind of do my thing. I would challenge you to be very careful of that, okay? And so, um, next thing, um, regarding the Sermon on the Mount. Today, today I'm going to cover what are called the Beatitudes. Again, another name that was like given to one of these things. But um, before I get to the Beatitudes, with, regarding the Sermon on the Mount, it, it's again Matthew chapter 5 through 7. The end of, so I want to start with the end, Okay, the end of chapter 7, Jesus says, whoever hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. Okay, so whoever hears and puts these into practice is wise. And so I would encourage you to hear and put these things into practice. Not my words exactly, but Jesus' words. Okay. And so uh, I like to point out two action words that go on in here that these people are doing. Um, Hear. Hearing is an action, something that you do. You guys have put yourself in a place to hear truth. I hope. You guys check it. Okay? And then also, and uh, the next action word is, action phrase, puts them into practice. Okay? So they do something about it. Now, after Jesus said this, whoever hears these and puts them into practice, he also said the opposite. Whoever hears these and doesn't put them into practice um, is called foolish. Okay? And so, basically, I put, excuse me, I put in my notes, listening is not enough. Okay? And so, being here is the first step. Listening, though, is not where it stops. Okay? Okay? And so the person who didn't put the things in the practice is actually called unwise. It's called a foolish builder, okay? And so take that for what it's worth. What did Jesus say? He said, whoever hears these words and puts them into practice is wise, okay? Next thing. Um, Sermon on the Mount begins with what what are known as the Beatitudes, which I looked up because I find that word sort of odd, and it seems like it relates to the word blessings, and so it seems to be a listing of blessings. Um, as I've read through these three chapters, some things that stand out that I want to show you and I want to hopefully point out as we go through these, as we look at particularly verses 3 through 12 in chapter 5, three things that really I was thinking, God, what's the theme throughout this? And I personally, things that kind of jump at me, humility is a theme, okay? Humility, hopefully you recognize as a theme in Christianity, okay? It's not uh, promoting ourselves above the others and things like that, okay? So humility, I wrote in my notes, others first always. And then I have a little kind of except for, okay? Others first always, and I just want to just throw this out there. 
Christian parents, your kids, yes, are very important, but they can't always be like, you can't be completely exhausted. Unless you have a newborn baby, they shouldn't be taking all of your attention, okay? And so as parents, this is, again, a side note. Parents, be careful not to wear yourself out putting your own children first. Remember, they are growing in their ability to take care of themselves, so help them do that, okay? And so when I say put others first, I could quickly go, oh, yeah, I put my first, of course, my kids are first. You know what I mean? Like I put them first. But the point simply is that um, be careful about letting that be where you do all of your giving, okay, of your energy and things, and things like that, okay? So humility, always, others first, always. Eyes on eternity. This, is, this has been a theme, I think, for me for the past maybe four or five years, Okay? Eyes on eternity. Realize that we're living in a strange land. Okay? I don't think we catch this very often because it seems so real. Okay? But <clears throat> eyes on eternity. Realizing we live in a strange land. We're made, the Bible says we're made to rule and reign with Christ in eternity. So that means if you kind of translate that a little bit, you are an authority in the heavenly realms. Okay? Rule and reign with Christ in eternity. We're technically, we're in eternity right now, right? Because we're going to exist forever, okay? And so you are an authority in heavenly realms. This world is not all that there is. And so don't try to be careful not to give it all of your energy, okay? And so um, a, a musician, talented musician, the, I put the late Rich Mullins, he was a very talented musician in like the late 1990s especially and he died in a car accident his music was incredible because it's extremely thoughtful um he said in one song if i stand i'm going to say three phrases from this one song if i stand if i'm able to stand it's like a prayer i let me stand on the promise that first brought me to you okay so he's saying this to god if i'm able to stand may it only be on the fact that um that Christ has rescued me and that I'm living for him, okay? If I can't, the next line says, if I can't, let me fall. So if I can't stand, I'm going to fall, okay? It let me fall on the grace that says, I got you, I'm going to help you back up, okay? And then the part that I really want to stress as far as this eternity part, and if I weep, let it be as a man who is longing for his home, okay? If I weep, have you ever wept? You don't have to say, I think, I, th- I actually think many people have, and then I bet some people have not, okay? Depends on some of our life situations and circumstance and things like that, but weeping, I picture like this, like almost sobbing, and like there's this depth, there's this pain that you can't do, you cannot like even control it, and it's just your body is weeping. Imagine weeping for this broken world. Okay, we're going to get to a little bit more of that. But anyway, just, just think about that phrase, if I weep. God, if I weep, may it be for as a guy who's longing for another land, a different place. Okay, And so I want to encourage, as we read through the uh, Beatitudes, consider how can, I, how, can, how can I look at heaven in this. Okay, uh, 2 Corinthians 4.18 says, So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen, because what is seen is temporary. Here it is. I present to you what is seen. Okay? Look around. 
what you see is temporary. What is unseen is eternal. The things that we can't see, that we can't always understand, that we can't get our head around, those things are eternal, okay? And so I would encourage folks to walk through your life like that. Um, We are refugees. That's the word these days, refugees. So in in Ukraine, they have been for the past several months attacked by Russia. People's homes have been absolutely destroyed, maybe even blown up and don't even exist anymore. They have had to leave their town. They have had to go to another town, another country, and they've had to live in another land. And they, they have to exist in a different language, in a different culture, with different money. Okay? They live in a different place. We are like that here. In, the, in America, in the U.S., as believers in Jesus, we are refugees in this world. We are made for heaven. We are made for an eternal existence. This is not all there is. We actually should look a little weird, okay? Not to be weird. We're not <clears throat> the goal is not to be weird, but we should look a little different than people whose eyes are focused only on this existence, okay? And so... Um, Oh, and then I put ACM situation. One day I was pumping gas at what we call in my house ACM, Adam Center Market, okay? Um, and I got there in the evening. It was like dusk, I guess. And so the whole area is kind of dark, and it's lit up by what we call artificial lighting, light bulbs, okay? And I'm looking around, and I kind of was in this moment where I felt like I was in a movie. And I was picturing like back to the future kind of situation where he realizes he's in 1965 and he was just in 1985. But I was was here pumping gas going, what is this? What is this place I'm in? Like, and I, and it was like, I could see it as from this perspective that was like, this is weird. Okay. What am I doing? I'm putting fuel into this thing that takes me around for what and you know and if you go back to the garden of eden none of that stuff was there that was not part of the original plan and so if you can just say god help me to see that a little bit just to like this and i've tried to like look at life that way a little bit more and i wish that i could see it like that one particular time at adam center market i'm pumping gas and i'm just like this is really odd where i am right now and so anyway, I hope you can kind of begin to see things that way. Now, getting, getting to the, some of you are like, oh, page one went really fast. Um, uh, <laughs> so, pa- so page three, we're two already, just at the very top. Uh, read it's, uh, verses three through 12 in Matthew um, five. Actually, I'm going to start with verse one. Now, he went, now, when he saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him, and he began to teach them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you 
Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. And so, <clears throat> what I'm going to do is take each of those blessings and just kind of touch on them briefly, okay? And so, the first thing, blessed are the poor in, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. There's a, pro, there's a, there's a blessing that comes with a promise attached to it. The kingdom of heaven is for people who are poor in spirit. And so we need to look at what does that mean? What does it mean to be poor in spirit? When I do something like that, I like to consider what is the opposite. If we took that whole verse and said the opposites, what's the opposite of blessing? Does anyone have a word that comes to your mind? Cursing. That's the one that came to my mind also. Nice job. Okay. Um, So cursed are people who think they can earn heaven and they will not get there. So if I took the opposite of blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven, cursed are the people who think they can earn heaven and they won't get there. Heaven is not theirs, okay? And so so the kingdom of heaven belongs to people who know that they cannot get there on their own. And regarding poor in spirit, consider bankruptcy, okay? Consider being, what does it mean for someone to be spiritually bankrupt? Basically, I was thinking, I believe in eternity. I believe in a holy God. I believe God is the only way for me to get to eternity. I have absolutely nothing that I can bring before this holy God to say, will you please let me into heaven? There's nothing that I have, absolutely nothing. I'm completely bankrupt. I cannot come before you because you are so holy and I am broken and I am a sinner and I, I can't. And so then Jesus says, hey, I took this for you. And so I can, and can come before, to be clear, I want to make sure it's clear, I can come before God in Christ, okay? But without Christ, I'm completely bankrupt, okay? And so my point that I'm trying to make here is that we believe in eternity, we believe that God is holy, and the only way we can get to him is by Christ's sacrifice. I, have no, I personally have nothing to offer, okay? I am bankrupt. And so, to think that, to believe that, the eternal perspective that I mentioned before is required, okay? Because I believe in eternity, okay? <clears throat> I believe this life is not all there is. Next one. <clears throat> I'm really sorry about the um, clearing my throat. Um, yeah, I have a bottle right there. Um, <coughs> Sarah, just, yeah, thanks. Thank you. <coughs> um, and so, and then I will hold it in my hands and not drink because I don't want to pause for you guys. But um, blessed, are the, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. <coughs> so, what's the opposite of that? Once again, opposite of blessing is cursing or being cursed. Cursed are people who take loss lightly. Um, Actually, I think the curse maybe exists before the loss sometimes, okay? So because I think this, I think that mourning comes from a place of having loved, okay? When you love deeply, you mourn deeply, okay? And so it's really the two things sort of, I would say, go together. Um, But I want to just say... um, it's important to understand that mourning comes from having loved, okay? But then I also want to say, or it says in this verse, comfort is promised for those people who mourn. 
for people who are devastated by a loss, people who need comfort will receive comfort when they look to the comforter. Jesus promised comfort. He's the one who offers it. He's where you go to get it. <clears throat> you know the phrase, we learn that the things I lear- have learned in grief share, they say time heals all wounds. Time doesn't heal all wounds. Okay? Um, it's not just time that helps you recover from having faced a loss. It's the Spirit of God who is the comforter. Okay? And so uh, time maybe is helpful, but it's not the healer. Okay? And so the Holy Spirit's called comforter. Now, beyond human loss, consider this. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Imagine this. Um, people who are devastated over the amount of evil that they see in the world. Okay? Mourning over this, over this fallen state that we live in. Can you imagine? If I weep, let it be as a man who's longing for his home, who's longing for the ways of God to be made right. Okay? You might consider... Read a, read a little bit about the prophet Jeremiah because he, I think, lived here, okay? Um, <clears throat> so people who, who mourn over the amount of evil in the world, and I'll say, I actually don't think that I'm there, okay? And so I'll tell you, I don't have all this figured out. I'm talking to me. But mourning, I believe the mourning is more than just people who have faced a personal loss, okay, as far as a loved one or, or that type of thing, okay? Um, a person, I'm thinking someone who mourns, longing for the will of God to be accomplished, look, again, looking at life from an eternal perspective, okay? Um, we see Jeremiah pleading for for his his people we see him pleading how long god will you keep us away from our from our home and that kind of thing okay and so i want to encourage people be guarded against a flippant attitude or like a casual attitude towards evil and toward the system of the world what's the system of the world i was thinking you know in america especially the system of the world i would i would say the words it's not on the notes, and it just was in my head, and now it's gone. I'm trying to read it. That's why my eyes are closed. It's in my head. Um, <laughs> the being lost, or um, why is that? Word? Whatever, it doesn't matter. So um, it happens to us at Christmas time. Materialism, okay? Humanism, okay? We worship things, and we worship people, okay? That's the system of the world, okay? And so I would encourage you to be guarded against um, casual, being casual with that stuff. Okay, next one, blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Um, I read one place where they said the opposite of meek was really powerful, was powerful. Cursed are the powerful, they will not inherit the earth. Um, When you consider meek, someone once taught uh, Ted Karinga, who is a man who I really care deeply for, he was teaching Sunday school, a very wise perspective, he said, meek because meek is one of those words, we don't use it a lot, and so it gets a lot of attention in a message like this, like, what does that even mean? It rhymes with weak. Well, it doesn't mean the same thing as weak, okay? And some people think that it does. It's, it's different. He said, people who don't lose their cool, okay? And I was like, oh, I like, I like that. I put humble. Other places I read, it seemed to be geared towards compassionate, 
quietly submitting to God. This is meekness, okay? So blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Inheriting the earth in this one is the only one of these that actually seems like an actual earthly blessing, like maybe a physical blessing, okay? Um, I didn't look into that too closely, but what does it mean to inherit the earth? I don't know. Next one. Um, <coughs> I just told you I didn't look into it deeply, so I don't know why I said that. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled, or another version says they will be satisfied. So righteousness, first of all, if you're not sure what that means, it doesn't mean like some person who's like really good and got their act together. Righteousness means being right before God. When I approach God, he says, hey, you can come into my presence because I'm seen by him as being righteous. Not, again, not because of anything I have done and not because of anything I have to offer, but because Christ gave his life for me, okay? And so, um, blessed are the, those who hunger and thirst. So imagine hungering for righteousness. Hungering, like we get a little hunger pain and we go and get a snack and then it's gone, Okay. And I think sometimes our quest for spirituality is very much in America like our quest for food. It's like just everywhere, and we don't have to do much, okay? And so I just want you to consider really being hungry. Hunger, imagine a longing or a need for righteousness. A long, uh, compare it to food, a longing or a needing for food. Like, I need this, I'm going to have to beg to get it because I'm going to die if I don't have it. Okay, <clears throat> I've put down begging, pleading, crawling towards it. I'm giving my very last effort. I have no energy left except for to get the thing that I need. <clears throat> and so, hungering and thirsting for righteousness. And then what's the promise? They'll be filled. Okay, it's not just have enough, but it's like they're going to have enough and then even some more. Okay, um, and so... Um, That one, I think, sometimes is harder because we don't, I personally just don't know hunger, okay? But I think if we really took that word and kind of looked deeply at that, um, hungering and thirsting for righteousness, and you'll get righteousness. Actually, I didn't say an opposite on that one, but the opposite would, I would say, curses for those people who don't even give a second thought to, to being right before God. It's like, ah, you need to be right before God, ah, whatever, you know, and that gets curses, okay, from God, okay? And so um, that's completely the opposite of hungering and thirsting for righteousness. Bless them, the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. The opposite of that I wrote down, cursed are people who don't have compassion for the needy and the oppressed, okay? Blessed, what was it? Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy, being merciful is about having compassion for people who have a need. Whatever the need is, it doesn't mean that this person, the pe- doesn't mean that you go and give something to every person you see begging on the street when you're in the city, okay? But, but when people are merciful, they give to a need that they see right in front of them, okay? Mercy will be given to those who give mercy. I wrote here, give compassion and get compassion, so if you're willing to give it, I think God's saying you're going to get it. Does that mean everything's going to go perfectly for you? Does that mean that, um, Amelia, sorry, right over here, um, Je- Jeannie, uh, yeah, sorry. 
<coughs> um, thank you. Sorry about that. Um, everything's good, ev all, everyone. Okay. Um, so, next one. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the pure in heart. Imagine if you just took this list and just spent some time churning over these words. And that's what I'm trying to get us to do is just consider what do these mean and how do these fit in my life? Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Well, God, I want to see you. We heard Moses go, God, I want to see you. We, people, we sing songs sometimes, God, I want to see you. You want to see God? Then be pure in heart. What does that mean? Look into it. Figure it out. Blessed are those whose motives are right in God's eyes is what I would suggest. Okay? Um, they will see him. People whose motives are pure before God. If you say, God, I want to come to you. I want to I be the guy you want me to be. I want to live the life you want me to live. And that's your motivation because, God, I want people to see you. I want people to know you. I want people to come, to come to a relationship with you. I want people to be in heaven. If that's my motivation, then I'm going to see God. I'm going to see, I'm, I think I'm actually going to see him working in the world around me, okay? And if my motivation is not that, if my motivation is selfish, I won't see God. If my motivation is only my own thing, I won't see him, okay? And so if I, one time I talked recently, I talked about this idea of navel gazing, like looking just at your own situation, or even if you're walking and all you do is look at your own situation, you look at just at your feet, you might not trip if you're looking just at your feet, but you're going to run into something, okay? And so I'm encouraging people, take your perspective and raise it up and way up, okay? Not looking over people, um, but looking towards eternity, okay? Um, actually, and a thought crosses my mind, I, for summer school, I'm going to be teaching kids in Lowville how to drive, okay? Um, so I'm going back into that for summer school, Okay? And I have driven in the past with kids who look right down the bumper, okay, or sorry, the hood. They're driving, they look right at the hood, and all they see is the road right there. And I'm not kidding you, once I was with a student who's like, boom, white line, red line, or it's not red, <laughs> there's no red line. I, uh, it's like back and forth between the yellow and the white, and it was like, and we're going 25 miles per hour with 18 cars behind us. And I'm like, oh my word, but... This person's eyes were only right here, and when we teach people how to drive, we're saying, you got to look to where you're going, okay? And so I want to encourage you in your life, look where you're going, not just right where you are, okay? And so, um, lessons from a driver education teacher, okay? <laughs> um, <clears throat> next one, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. Okay. And just to touch on the opposite, I put here, cursed are those who stir the pot, who pick fights, and who create conflict. Okay? Um, and I put peacemakers, by the way, are not just people who avoid conflict. Because me, I could like say, yeah, I kind of live at peace with everybody. I just ignore those people. Okay? And so if there's a relation, it's not that, okay? So peacemaker is not just about avoiding conflict. It's not even just about resolving conflict, even though I think that's part of it. It's not just being what, what I've learned in the past, a phrase called firefighters, just putting out fires wherever they pop up. I just put out a fire and I move on to the next thing. It's not even that, okay? 
Peace, I believe, is much bigger than that, okay? Bringing peace to a situation. What if you were a person who came and you brought peace to a situation? Not necessarily that you mediate between two people, but you come and you are a a presence of peace because the peace is a fruit of the Spirit and it's coming out of you, okay? And it would be, I would consider people who pursue unity, who pursue cooperation, who look for wisdom in situations, those people will be called sons of God. I was recently reading an article where there was discussion about praying for peace in Jerusalem. Okay? I spoke a few months ago at this point about Israel and about why Israel matters, and I would encourage folks to go back and look at that. But this article was saying peace is not just about not having war. It's about a restoration towards what is whole. Okay, and so if we could, if we could be people who are working towards restoring something to its full potential, restoring something to wholeness, okay, wouldn't that be cool to be part of that? Wouldn't you like to be part of that? And so it's not just this like, I wrote in my notes, it's not just this kind of idea like, can't we all just get along? Like people say that it's kind of a joke when there's like bickering or whatever. Can't we all just get along? How about this? What if you worked with somebody, the person next to you or the, pers- the people around you, and you said to somebody, hey, come glorify the Lord with me. Come with me and let's glorify God. Hey, Sonny and I were talking, we were talking a little bit about Facebook and like interactions you have with people from your past there. Sonny, let's glorify God together on Facebook, okay? Because I've heard, I haven't seen it, that social media is like in a complete uproar over this business with Roe v. Wade and stuff lately. Like people have talked about it. And so what if we as believers are like, you know what, let's try to glorify God in that. How do we do that? I would encourage you, it's not to react to every single thing that you see with some like retort, okay? But um, so why don't you come glorify the Lord with me? Let's exalt, church, let's exalt his name together. Okay, as you go out there in the world, let's be people who bring peace into our situations, wherever you find yourself. What if you worked with somebody who you knew was a believer and you went to them and you said, hey, let's glorify God together in this place. Okay, I just think that it would be a cool thing to say to somebody. By the way, that's from Psalm 34, I think, verse 3. Come glorify the Lord with me. Let's exalt his name together. Folks, in Adam's, Come glorify the Lord with me. Let's exalt his name when we're in O.D. Greens. Let's be people who they go, yeah, that guy, those people, you know, like that they see us and they go, yeah, those. So come and glorify the Lord with me on on Facebook or in O.D. Greens or somewhere in between, okay? And so um, the next one. Um. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Persecuted because of righteousness. Again, righteousness is a position of being right, being, being right um, before God, meaning he receives you, he accepts you. Okay. Again, how do you get that? By all kinds of service and church and sacrifice and your extra giving? No. You don't earn it. You cannot earn it, okay? And so um, if you're persecuted because of your righteousness, first of all, I'll tell you, it's because people have seen it in you, okay? Um, 
And so when you live as a believer, one of the themes also is you're going to stand out a little bit. If you don't stand out, I would consider, encourage you to go, how come people, well, if you're going to live as a believer, I think you're going to stand, you should stand out a little bit in your world, okay? Um, I lost my spot. Just a second. Um, Okay. As a follower of Christ, you're going to stand out. It's because it's what I was saying but without reading it. People, you will stand out. People notice you. You will be mistreated and sometimes misunderstood and mistreated. The opposite of this one would be cursed are those who are unrighteous. They're not right before God. Okay, They're living separated from God. And sometimes, and that's their choice, sometimes they haven't been introduced to him. Okay, But um, they won't be mistreated. They'll get along just fine with people, possibly, but the kingdom of heaven is not their inheritance, okay? Um, persecutions come as people see that you're fit for heaven. I think maybe sometimes it might be a coming from a place of like, that person, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to give them a hard time to see how they react or whatever, okay? And then the next part, blessed are you when people insult you. They persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice. Your reward in heaven. Your reward is in heaven, and the prophets were treated the same way. Okay? So when people insult you, when they persecute you, and they falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me, Jesus said, then you're blessed, and you can take joy. Rejoice. Okay? Um God, I'm just trying to represent you, and people are mistreating me. That's okay. They mistreated the prophets also, okay? I did highlight in that one the word falsely accuse you, because if you have done something wrong, then be prepared to uh, put up with the consequence of it, okay? But he said when they falsely say things against you, um, that it's okay. You're blessed, okay? Now, None of these things happen automatically. I've said this, I think, a number of times. You cannot do this on your own, okay? Um, They are impossible humanly. They're really actually unnatural for us as humans to do these things, to treat people better than we treat ourselves, to look for other people's welfare more than our own. It's not something that we do naturally. And so the Holy Spirit empowers believers to do these things, okay? Um, if you do, and here's a little side also, if you don't believe in heaven, you're like, you know what, Jeff, you can say whatever you want. I don't even think heaven is real. I don't think God is real. Then you know what? You can treat people however you want. You can treat people very badly and it doesn't matter. If you don't think heaven is real, it doesn't matter if you kill somebody. Okay? That's going to hurt their family. That's going to hurt all kinds of different things, but it doesn't matter if you don't believe in heaven. Good, right, wrong, those things don't make any difference if you're not considering eternity. Okay? And so, I actually think, and the Bible tells us, eternity is born in the heart of a man. So it's there, and there's something in us that's saying, you know what, I know it's not okay to kill somebody because I know, for first of all, besides hurting that person, it's hurting the people around them. Okay? There's something in us that tells us that's not okay, and that's from God, okay? Um, And so, um, I want to let you know that Satan also always uses the same tricks. He's extremely crafty, and in the garden, he tempted Adam and Eve, and here's what he said. 
get this. Did God really say, and I put dot, 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 did God really say you must not eat from every tree? Did he really say that? And Eve's like, yeah. He said, and she re- recited basically what he said. And then I would ask you, did God really say to love your enemy? Okay, because Satan's going to use the same things. He's going to take what you know and then go, well, yeah, but it's not so bad if you don't love that person. That person's not really your enemy. That person is, you know, just a person who annoys you. Okay, did God really say to love your enemy? Um, did God really say there's only one way to heaven? This is what Satan will say. He'll put these things in your head. As you begin to learn these things, as you begin to engage with these things, you're going to say, did God really say to keep our eyes on things above, or is Jeff just making a big deal out of having an eternal perspective? Did God really say that? Did Jesus really say, get this one, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Did Jesus really say that? He did. Okay, And so as we study his life and as we learn these words, as we look at his perspective, we need to go, yes, he did say that, and what does that mean? Okay, How does this affect me? What do I do about this? And that's the kind of stuff that I would actually encourage you to really dig deeply into. Okay, Did God really say, so this is, I'm speaking kind of from like a Satan perspective, sorry, that's weird. Um, did God really say to pray for your enemies? Yes, okay? He didn't say just pray for your family. That's easy. In fact, he never told us to do that. That's just something that we do because that's easy, okay? But he said pray for our enemies. He told us to do this because it's not natural for us to do that, okay? And so I want to encourage you to be on your guard against your adversary, Satan, because he's going to take the words and he's going to try to twist them, okay? And then he's going to say, surely you won't die, just like he said to Eve, okay? If you eat that, you won't die. She picks it, and she eats it, and she's still standing there, okay? He told her a partial truth. She didn't die right then when she ate it, okay? But she then became separated from God, okay? And so recognize he's going to do the same thing from you. It won't be that bad if you don't pray for your enemy. It won't be that bad, you know, and so he's going to kind of take these things and do that type of stuff. It's not, God's being a little dramatic with some of that stuff is kind of his, his angle, okay? And so, I want to challenge you to take the um, Beatitudes, the blessings. I would actually challenge you to commit them to memory. Um, can you guys memorize things? Read, you can't, oh, sorry, you can't? One person shook his head going, no, I can't memorize anything, Okay. <laughs> Um, and adults, you know what we do? We go, yeah, kids are pretty good at memorizing things, but we as adults, we don't have to do that. We don't have to be disciplined to do that. We should be disciplined to do that. I will hide your word in my heart that I might not sin against you, the psalmist said. If I have your word buried in my heart, then I want, God, help me not to, how can I not sin against you? Well, start by hiding my word in your heart is what he would say, Okay. Then I actually would encourage you maybe a little game you could play with children at home. What if you learn these things as a bit of a game? Blessed are those who, and then someone says, says, pure in heart. And then you have one of the kids tell you, what is the promise if you're pure in heart? And then your kids will go, what is, it? What is that? What is pure in heart? And then you can tell them, okay? And so it's, it opens up conversation. So I would encourage you, take these words and engage with them with your family, okay?
and I'll tell you, I'm not good at that, okay? And so I'm going to try it, and my kids are, might roll their eyes maybe when I have that kind of conversation. I'm going to try it. Blessed are you when you're pure in heart, okay? Comfort will be given to those people who are mourning, okay? And so um, with that, I'm going to pray, and then we'll have the worship team come.